Talk Live. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now this recording is from our Cloud Talk Live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time. Your participation helps drive the conversation. Now, let's get on with today's show. Hey, good morning, everyone. Jeff Deverter for Cloud Talk Live. And holy moly, do we have a conversation for you today. And you know what? It's all going to be about Oracle. I hope you brought your Oracle pants because that's the conversation for today. Welcome to Cloud Talk Live. I'm so glad to be back. It's been a week. I was in New York City all week and I got home late last night and excited to be here with you today. We got to talk to some incredible customers up there, part of our advisory board in uh, our super engaging conversation. But as always, folks, I'd love for you to introduce yourself in the comments down below. Tell me who you are. Tell me where you are in the world. It really does matter. I just love getting to see all that stuff. Granted, LinkedIn tells me some stats about you, but not all that much information. So introduce yourselves. I'd love to uh, to get to know who is here today. And as always, you can reach us here at Cloud Talk Live at the email address of solve at rockspace.com. So shoot us a note. Tell us uh, you got some feedback for us, ideas for a guest, topic, we get something wrong, you can tell us all about it at that point. Fantastic. All right. This week's podcast that's out there right now, Smith um, NBR, we had an engaging conversation about uh, IoT, Ooh, McAllen in San Antonio, uh, uh, IoT, and in, in, uh, you want to check that out. Now, we've got a new one coming out later this week. I think it's later this week, maybe the first to next, but we did a bunch of research. I've been teasing that research, and uh, we're releasing that here this week. And, uh, and we've got a podcast where Josh Pruitt, Rackspace's chief product officer, and I uh, uh, decompose all that information. So you're going to want to be around to check that out. You know, the best way to do that, of course, is to, uh, I'm messing up with my buttons, is to subscribe to Cloud Talk. Make sure you don't miss anything. You can find Cloud Talk anywhere that the podcasts are found. You see a list of some of them just down below. So go ahead and subscribe. Hey, Jason is here from Atlanta, Georgia. I connected through Atlanta on my way home last night. Lovely city. Uh, all right. And we also have Gerardo. Glad that you are here. Well, I mentioned that today is Oracle Day. And I've got two amazing Oracle practitioners who are here to have a conversation with us today. And the first is Macon Medlin. He is an Oracle solution architect at Rackspace, solving the Oracles all day long. And then we also have Ed Schneckendorf. Now, Ed has been with... Uh, he has been with uh, Oracle for a good long time. He, it's, well, his title on LinkedIn is Software Professional, but he's going to tell us more about what that actually means. So with that, why don't we go ahead and bring them up onto the stage? I'm so happy to have them here today. There we are. Macon, Ed, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. All right, Ed, is it really software professional? Is that the daily day job? Let's, let's get a little more into the, the exact job title that you have over there at Oracle. Sure, Jeff. So um, my my official title, Oracle, is a distinguished uh, cloud architect. I've been with uh, Oracle for ten years now. Uh, started out, um, you know, supporting some of Oracle's Fusion middleware products on premises, and for the last year, have been supporting 
customers of all stripes uh, who are yeah. implementing Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, OCI. All right. Distinguished architect. Yeah, you're doing yourself not a you, – your LinkedIn could use a little attention. <laughs> Brag about yourself a little more. That's quite the, uh, quite the achievement. Now, Macon, let's, uh, let's get a little bit about your background. Of course, you are here at Rackspace, but, uh, but take us back to those early days of Oracle and, and uh, how did you get into the space? So, yeah, just fairly recent to Rackspace. Been here about two years. Um, however, prior to that, I was uh, working with companies in the hosting, specializing in Oracle. I've been working with Oracle for over 20 years, um, started out with the databases, moved into the applications from all the way back in the 10.7SC days, if anyone remembers those, um, all the way up through 12.2. So I was an app DBA and have moved into being a solution architect so I can help clients out now with you know, developing their solutions and, and running Oracle. Well, and you're, you're starting to call it out well when Ed and I were planning for uh, having him on here as well. And I was saying, hey, we're going to talk about Oracle in the cloud. And Ed's, Ed, your, your comment to me was, what do you what do you mean by Oracle, Jeff? <laughs> well, what are our options? What do we mean? What are what what when we when we say Oracle, what could we mean? Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, of course, traditionally think about Oracle in terms of, of Oracle database. And that's certainly a big part of what Oracle does. But again, let's not forget that Oracle is uh, the largest application vendor out there. Um, you know, applications both in the cloud and on premises. Think about things like e-business suite, PeopleSoft, but also business unit applications, whether it's in the utility space, financials, et cetera. And then of course, um, lots and lots of technology components. Um, you know, one of the things that I work with customers the most on is Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, which is um, a premier hyperscaler out there along with Azure, AWS, and GCP. That's right. That's right. Now uh, we have Cheryl who is watching. She's up in New York. I was just in New York. I think I said that, but supporting Oracle EPM on-prem. Uh, so on-prem is of course, one of those places where you can run some, some Oracle. In fact, it's the birthplace, I would even say, of where Oracle ran because that's where all of our stuff ran before the clouds became the cloud. Now, uh, uh, now, Macon, one of the things you get to do is, as a solution architect is to help talk to customers about the different places that that Oracle, the, 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 the database and, and such can run, and maybe some of those pros and cons. Maybe step us through some of those, those locations. Right. So, I mean, clients, and, and we're still seeing it a lot today, even with everyone talking about cloud and moving to cloud, there's a lot of clients that are still running on-prem but want to get out of those data centers. Um, you know, that, that's a big expense. They want to move away. When you talk about cloud, there's really two things that you talk about, private cloud or public cloud. Um, a private cloud is, for example, bringing it to a hosting provider such as us, um, and we set up a cloud solution for you where it's mimicked on-prem. For example, you have a lot more control over security and the servers and that sort of thing, but you're not having to manage the backend infrastructure, so you save that cost. Um, the other option is what we consider public cloud, and that's your AWS, Azure, GCP, and OCI, um, who we're gonna talk about a little bit more today. Now, the benefits of a public cloud is cost. It's usually gonna be cheaper than the private cloud, um, just because it is a shared platform and you're you're taking advantage of that that amount. Um, the one downside is you don't have as much control. So if you have some real internal processes um, that are very strict, public cloud may be restrictive to you. Um, so you would look at a public cloud option or a private cloud option, sorry. Um, 
the one real good benefit of a public cloud, in addition to the cost, is you have the ability to shut down, for example, um, if you're running EBS, PeopleSoft, you have some non-prod instances that are not used on the weekends, they're not used in the middle of the night for whatever reason, you have the ability to shut those down and save that cost on a monthly basis because you're only billed for what you actually use by the minute. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are only using it 30 hours a month, you only pay for 30 hours a month. Um, if you're using it 24, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're gonna pay for that completely. But you have that option, whereas private cloud options, you really don't have as much flexibility when it comes to things like that. Um, now, one thing I always like to bring up, especially, is licensing, because that's something I get asked all the time for customers that are looking at cloud options. How is that going to affect my Oracle licensing? We've all been there. Yeah, don't the, have that whenever, whenever Oracle's talked about, right. the second statement is, well, talk to me about licensing. What's the impact going to be? Exactly. Um, now, when you talk about licensing, private cloud, that's the other benefit of it. You have a lot of control. You have a complex licensing um, scenario, you have complete control over what you can scope, what it can be built, and that sort of thing. And it's no different than the licensing that you do on-prem today. When you move into the public clouds, it's a little bit trickier. Um, Oracle has very specific rules, though, which is good. They've made it, you know, there's a defined plan of what you can and can't do. Um, for example, on AWS and Azure, if you um, they consider two virtual processors, so two vCPUs, as one processor license um, if you're using multi-threading. If you're not using multi-threading, one vCPU is equal to one processor license. One-to-one. -one. Um, this, when you, you know, if you're running on-prem today, you know that an Intel chip, for every core, you get two, two threads, and you can get two cores for one processor license by Oracle's 0.5 calculator. Um, that's one benefit of OCI as a cloud provider for Oracle. With Oracle, they do OCPUs, not vCPUs. And OCPU is a actual CPU core. Mm -hmm. So whereas on AWS or Azure, you can get two vCPUs for one processor license. With OCI, you can get essentially four vCPUs for one processor license. So you get more horsepower for, for your licensing. And again, that, that's kind of equal to what a private cloud solution would be as well um, in it. But it always is a consideration when you talk about it. Yeah. Um, and, and Macon, let me actually add on a couple of things to that. So I think you're absolutely right in terms of some of the benefits of, of licensing in, in OCI. I, I would kind of call out a couple more things to consider. So when you come to Oracle Cloud Infrastructure to OCI for you know, something like a database workload, there, there are two ways that you can license it. One is a subscription-based license. So if you're a net new customer, let's say you don't have any Oracle licenses on-prem, you can come, you can pay subscription-based licensing and you don't need to have any kind of long-term licensing commit, right? You can, you basically uh, price it by the, um, you know, by the minute or, or the second in some cases. Mm -hmm. If you are a customer that does have licenses on-prem, like a lot of enterprise customers do, you can bring that what's called BYOL or bring your own license to OCI, which means that your on-premises licenses that you're using, let's say for Oracle database can actually come and they can fund not only Oracle database running in that same format in OCI, but can actually uh, fund a, a, a PaaS service, right? So, you know, kind of a, an elevated service that gives you automatic provisioning, automated backups, restores, 
patching scaling, right? It's going to defray those costs and even defray the cost of something that you can't get on premises. For example, something like autonomous database, where if we have time, I can talk a little bit more about that. The other two things to consider when coming to OCI is that Oracle has a number of programs that make it really um, uh, financially interesting for, for customers to, to come to OCI. One of them is something called Oracle Support Rewards. Uh, this allows you to basically apply um, some of your on-premises uh, support spend to, or, or I'm sorry, defray your on-premises support spend uh, when you bring workloads to the cloud. So um, let's say you're bringing your own licenses to the cloud, right? Uh, depending on how much consumption you have in OCI, you can recoup up to 30% of that on-premises support spend by moving those workloads to the cloud. So it's, it's a huge, huge differentiator for um, Oracle customers that have a big license footprint. The last thing that I'd mention is that um, Oracle does have a program called Cloud Lift Services. It's an included service that will help customers with cloud migration. I know Rackspace does a wonderful job of helping customers both run in the cloud and migrate as well, but this is something that can be done in conjunction with um, with a managed service provider like Rackspace to basically you know, help decrease the amount of effort customers have in migrating to OCI. And one ahead, point to bring up. had something there. So uh, just you know, talking about OCI and, and another big thing that I do like to bring up because if if we are complex customers, if you're running, let's say EBS and you're manufacturing financials, you, you know you you've got a huge instance and you're running rack um, for your clients that are running rack and required, um, you need that you need the rack cluster whether it be for high availability or to handle your user count. When you talk about public cloud providers, OCI is really the only one that can support a rack mm -hmm. configuration. Um, and it's the only one that they support. So if, if you are a rack customer and you need that, that ability, um, the other thing is Exadata. Awesome platform, super fast. The only place you're going to run it is on OCI um, or on-prem. So, you know, if you're a very large client, very large database, you need that horsepower. Yeah, OCI is definitely a place to look for um, to move it, you know, onto an ex to their exit. Well, Megan, you're bringing up a really good point, and that is, and it's it's it seems like it's part of every conversation I've had this week with customers and with with partners, and that is that there really is, uh, even inside of organizations, a lot of times, no one size fits all, no one single playbook to to be the one way to go about doing things. I mean, we, we talk about Oracle and Ed punches me and he says, hey, what do you mean Oracle? It means so many different things. And and we talk about, okay, well, it's good to run on-prem or here's what it's like in the private cloud. Here's what it's like in one of the other hyperscaler clouds or the hyperscale cloud of OCI. But then while you're getting into in, trying to pick apart specific workloads, you mentioned whether Rack's involved, whether Exadata is involved, and that absolutely informs the um, the direction that that you're gonna you know take, or that even the direction that you can actually take. I mean, Ed, how much of your day is? I mean, imagine digging into the specifics just to make sure that the right workloads are brought into the right places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm definitely working with um, with a lot of. I mean, really across the OCI spectrum, right? So not just at the not just at the database tier, but you know, a big part of it is you know taking a look at what a customer has on premises, what they're trying to accomplish, and figuring out how we can you know how we can optimally provide for that in the cloud. Um, just to pile on to a couple of things that you know Macon just kind of brought up. You know, there's there's really four main forms that we typically see customers running at least Oracle database and OCI. You know, the first one is running you know just 
kind of installing your database right on infrastructure as a, as a service, right? It's self-install, self-run, self-manage. Um, you certainly can take advantage of the OCI cost and performance benefits. And I know Macon kind of talked about how in OCI, each one of your, what's called an OCPU and Oracle CPU, that is a physical core uh, with two hyper threads. It is never oversubscribed, right? Unlike some of the other clouds, we make that guarantee. So we're not oversubscribing your, um, your network. We're not oversubscribing your CPUs. There's no sharing of any kind. So you get predictable performance in OCI, just like you do on premises. The second form though, and this is probably the more common one, is database cloud service on virtual machine. And so I mentioned this is a PaaS service. You can bring your own licenses and really run that for a fraction of the cost. You get automated provisioning, backup, restore, patching, scaling of both CPU and storage. You can automate all your lifecycle operations with you know, SDKs, CLIs, Terraform. And like Macon said, we support um, we support Rack. This is the only place, the only cloud where you can actually run Rack because we provide for the, you know, the layer two networking backplane that most public clouds don't support. Um, for your bigger workloads, right, we do have a lot of customers that run Exa, uh, Exa data on premises, right? So, you know, now you're talking about if you're really supporting huge, huge databases, right, up to two and a half petabytes, right, wow. thousands of cores, that's the only place you can do that. You can't do that on you know, on virtual machines in OCI or frankly, virtual machines anywhere else. So when you when you get to the point when you need to do, you know, millions, tens of millions of reads, IOPS up to 80,000 um, IOPS, uh, uh, or sorry, uh, you know, millions of IOPS versus 80,000 or thousands of IOPS, right? You're talking about an Exadata platform. And the last plug I'd really like to make really is that a lot of our net new customers and even existing customers are starting to look at autonomous database. This has been out for a couple of years. What it essentially is, it is, you know, the Exadata hardware. So it's engineered hardware with full database automation and then lots of new machine learning capabilities. So supports analytic, online transaction processing and JSON formats as well. And it's really a full self-driving database. So all the patches are done for you online with zero downtime, zero customer intervention. All the security updates are done for you with zero downtime across the entire stack, across the database, the OS, the firmware, right? And then you have auto scaling for compute, for storage, transparent backups, point in time recovery, and then lots of capabilities around self-tuning of indices, parallelism, plans, the whole nine yards, right? So this is really a way to, to really reduce the database administrator overhead, you know, remove some of those, you know, kind of blocking and tackling things that DBAs do and focus a little bit more on database architecture. And that's something that, um, you know, I think we we invite all customers to really take a look at and, and try it out and see how it works for your workload. And just going back on something you said that, that about the uh, database as a service, just for everyone, um, you know, when people hear that, they think they're thinking autonomous, I think a lot of times when I talk to customers, but they are totally mm -hmm. different. When we migrate a customer to, to OCI, whether they're running EBS, PeopleSoft, some custom app, and they're running an Oracle database, we will always set them up on a, the DB as a service. The reason is, is because this VM and everything that's configured for that VM is for a database. It is your best solution when running the database. It's not, it's not autonomous. You know, those are right. two totally different things. You still have complete control over the database, managing it, changing it. Um, so it's, you know, people do hear databases as a service, and a lot of them do think autonomous, and but they are two totally different things and two totally different technologies within those. Yeah, and, and and I agree with you 100%. One of the nice things about database as a service, as you mentioned, Megan, is that you do have 
like you do have those automated capabilities around provisioning, backup, restore, et cetera, right? But those are kind of on top of, you know, the underlying database platform that most customers are used to. So with database as a service, right, on VM, even with the rack configuration, you still have the ability to SSH into those, uh, you know, into those VMs, you have the ability to get command line access to run scripts, you know, yeah. the whole kind of things that, that the folks are used to. So I know a lot of customers are comfortable with that. With something like autonomous, um, that is, you know, you don't have that access mm -hmm. to the command line, right? So uh, it is a little bit of a different paradigm shift. We do see it for, you know, a lot of cloud native workloads. But again, you know, we're seeing, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time, but customers are starting to see the benefits of you know, changing their operating model a little bit more and not worrying about some of the things they might have done for years or decades on prem. But completely agree with you. Um, probably, you know, the most workloads that I do see are still running on DBCS on VM today. Hey, there's an interesting question. We popped it up on the screen. Either one of you guys want to grab that one real quick? Uh, it talks about how latency at the time of, of flowing data to OCI from GCP or AWS or even from private cloud. How does latency fit into the picture here? I mean, I can take, let me take a little bit of a, I, I can take a, a swag at it and then, and then definitely get making thoughts. Um, so as far as, as far as, you know, latency of data flowing between clouds, you're really talking about between whether it's OCI and AWS or GCP or even at OCI and your on-premises data center, um, you know, that latency is really going to be a, a, a kind of speed of light problem, right? So it really depends on, you know, where's your data center and which region are you with OCI? So one of the things that Oracle's trying to do with OCI strategy is to have a really broad regional footprint. Um, we have 37 regions out there right now, about 10 more that are in the pipeline for the rest of the year. And so the question of latency is really dependent on where you're moving data in between, right? Like if you're set up in let's say OCI East, which is in Ashburn, Virginia, and let's say you're in AWS East, well, you know, that latency is gonna be pretty short. And, and you know, if your data happens to be in a data center, let's say in, you know, in, in uh, let's say Des Moines, Iowa, and it's yeah. trying to come into our Phoenix region, for example, then there's gonna be a little bit more latency. You might feel that one a little bit more. Yeah, now there's a couple things to keep in mind. You can definitely set up private interconnects, MPLS type of connections. Yeah. Um, Oracle has a technology called Fast Connect. Um, very similar to, you know, Direct Connect in AWS or Express Route in Azure. If you're familiar with those, you know, we have a rich partner network, whether it's the Megaports, or the Equinexes, or the Packet Fabrics. And one thing I will call out, your question mentioned GCP and AWS. Um, one thing to know is that Oracle has a partnership with Microsoft, um, and there are 10 regions in the world now where we have an Azure interconnect. So these are places where OCI is co-located with an Azure region. Um, it's in places like San Jose, um, I think in, uh, in, in Ashburn for sure, we're co-located in Frankfurt, in Tokyo. So there's 10 regions across the world and we have a high throughput private interconnect between the two clouds where you can achieve latencies of under two milliseconds. So exactly. that actually opens up the ability to, if you even want to split your workload, which typically you wouldn't recommend somebody do. You wouldn't typically yeah. say, you know, have a database in one cloud and an application to you in another. With those type of latencies for a lot of applications, we're seeing customers have, for example, database running in Oracle, app tier running in Microsoft or vice versa. So. Well, th there are a lot of other questions coming in about it, but unfortunately, we're getting to the end of our of our discussion point here. You know, we talk about SLAs, RPOs, RTOs, um, and uh, you know, all of that gets into yeah, I think where Ed, where you started with, and that is understanding the requirements and engineering the right solution in the right regions to to be able to uh, meet whatever the business requirements are. 
Uh, obviously, this is a hot topic. We've got a lot of questions here. Would love to dig in a little bit deeper. So um, it, we are going to move on now into the next segment. But folks, keep your questions coming. It'll help us kind of influence the next time we get Ed and Macon back on the program. Obviously, a couple of experts been working in the technology for an incredible amount of time. So thank you so much for being here today. Really do appreciate it and uh, and, and getting some compliments in from the, the folks as well. So thank you for being a part of the program here today, Ed and Macon. And guys, as you know, this is our round two. I blue screened last time we tried to do this. First time ever. But I'm glad we made it through the interview today without without old windows having a bad problem. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, for thank you Jeff. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. It. Amazing conversation. Thanks so much for that. Well, uh, to, well, everybody. Uh, again, keep your questions coming as far as what you want to uh, what you want to hear from these these guys in the future. Oracle, OCI, amazing technology, continues to grow. I love the partnership with Microsoft. I love how they're continuing to build out their region. So check that out, folks. I want to push the right buttons over here. There we go. You can uh, always find the audio for these programs in the Cloud Talk. Uh, audio stream. So just uh, you can go find information out about it over at rackspace.com slash solve, or just subscribe to Cloud Talk. You will get all the information that you ever wanted to know. And what you won't get are sales. There's no sales on that website, folks. It's all about just giving away information. All right. With that, it's time to move on to this week in cloud, which of course is us having a conversation around what has changed this week in cloud-based technologies. So let's take a look at that. So here's here's an interesting article, and it has to come from uh, uh, our friends as far as understanding spend. So the challenges of optimizing your cloud spend in 2022, guys. There's no one. This is this is the theme for me for this week. There is no one trick pony uh, for, uh, for, for solving any of the cloud-based problems. Every company is unique. Every company has a different path and different business metrics and goals that they're trying to meet. Now, there are patterns we can adopt. One of those patterns should be uh, establishing a strong FinOps practice. That's what this article really gets into speaking about. Now, FinOps, as a, uh, as a point of clarification, isn't how do I just lower my cloud spend, but it's how do I ensure that every dollar spent, not just in the cloud, but in technology, uh, creates meaningful business value that, that my company does just that, values. All right, so uh, establish yourself a good FinOps team. Also in the news, Google Cloud shows up. So they've got a new offering here that they are, uh, they've talked about this week, and that is cybersecurity. It has to do with cybersecurity. Of course, it's at the top of every organization's priority list. At least it should be. Now, they have a new offering called Google um, uh, uh, they announced today at the Google Cloud Security Summit, uh, they revealed plans for the Security Operations Center, or SOC, of the future. Now, Google Cloud offers uh, Chronicle, uh, to, which is a service that enables customers to privately retain, analyze, search large amounts of security-based data. And now they're adding new services and capabilities on top of that. Uh, automation, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence, it's the only way to combat the bad guys. So... Uh, so check that out. Uh, really cool innovations from over at Google. Now, also in the news, well, actually not news, speaking of clouds, let's go talk about the new uh, releases from the cloud providers. We'll start with AWS. And, uh, and that starts with AWS App Mesh now supports IPv6, which is awesome because uh, you know App Mesh is used uh, by a ton of serverless-based applications. And, uh, and now they're able to support not just IPv4, but now IPv6. 
v6. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I applaud these providers for not just throwing services at the walls, but throwing services out there and continuing to upgrade and mature them. And then sometimes even building on top of them. I think I just sped right through the Azure. There it is. All right, Azure's update. Here we go. Public preview. Container storage interface is now ex- has an extensible API for AKS. So this is, again, API. We're thinking application uh, programming interface. This is how we add more automation and more scripts to the world of our cloud management. You know, those days of hands-on keyboards, flipping switches, making things, logging into servers, not so much anymore. Uh, it's all about how do I create uh, a series of code-defined sets of infrastructure that's able to meet the business requirements of my organization, and then how do I also put my uh, AI ops in play to be able to manage the stuff as well. So in preview, uh, some new releases from Azure on helping with the storage aspect of containers. Now, over at uh, Google Cloud, as if GCP didn't get enough of a shine up, uh, mentioned earlier, but they have updated version of their ODBC and JDBC drivers for BigQuery. Now, and it has a ton of new enhancements. So check that out. And what's important about this is the fact that uh, BigQuery, this monster, and we just had a big conversation about Oracle, but BigQuery uh, database, obviously, uh, incredible technology, a public case study for Rackspace. Our data is over running inside of there, how we manage some of our customer satisfaction scores and such. But uh, but they've added some new ways for, for existing applications to connect in real time through ODBC or JDBC to either fetch and or retrieve data out of there. Cool. All right. That's what's new with the cloud releases. Now, I've already mentioned I don't sell anything here except maybe well, giveaway knowledge, but also encourage you Maybe come be a racker. Now, I'm going to bring a job up, the Rackspace job of the day, as we know it. And I'm also going to be transparent with you and tell you that it's a rerun of last Thursday's job. Now, I'm bringing it up because we really need to fill this job because software observability is huge these days. And because, you know, when we were running on VMs, you know, we could put some monitoring tools in place and have a pretty good idea what's going on. But, you know, people like AppDynamics, you've seen their title at the bottom part of my screen uh, on different different panels because they're a sponsor uh, here at Rackspace. But software observability is exploding, especially for those serverless cloud native applications where you need to have a way to monitor from from the end user's hands-on keyboard all the way back to the backend database and all points in between. Now at Rackspace, we're looking for a leader of soft, for software observability. Uh, you can see it all there. If uh, I'm going to bring up, if you go over to rackspace.com slash jobs, you'll be able to uh, search, search on uh, software observability and be able to apply for that job. I would love to think you come and work with me here at Rackspace. Uh, one last reminder, this pod, the audio for this is, can be found in the Cloud Talk podcast. Find all the information you need over at our thought leadership program called rackspace.com slash solve. Of course, just subscribe to the podcast. I've already mentioned AppDynamics, but let's bring them up and say thank you for their sponsorship of everything that we do here at the Solve program. We are doing a ton with them. They're an amazing organization, and we are helping here at Rackspace unlock true observability for so many of our customers through their tooling. So thank you so much for that. And uh, guys, that brings us to the end of our program here today. I want to give you a little bit of a window into the future. Guys, we have an amazing program coming up for the summer, and we're calling it the Summer Road Trip Series. You're going to 
see some ads with me on LinkedIn talking about it, but we're going to go to uh, almost every region uh, on the globe where Rackspace has an office, all the way through EMEA, APJ, uh, some places in in the U.S., South America, uh, Mexico, Q, uh, uh uh, you're gonna, it's going to be really cool. But we're going to talk to cloud practitioners in each of those areas and uh, and uh, and find out what's going on in cloud transformation there. So watch for the Rackspace uh, Cloud Talk Live Summer Road Trip Series coming up. Guys, it's been a great time with you today. Thank you for being with us here uh, at Cloud Talk Live, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. Now here at CloudTalk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, this was a live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live.